Welcome to the Higher Self Podcast. I'm David Dom, author, coach, and founder of the Higher Self Academy. Each week we bring you a person or a message designed to help you begin living more from the inside out, from a place of balance, alignment, mindfulness, and inner peace. Welcome to the show. of the Higher Self Podcast. You can get all the show notes and extra links and information at daviddom.com forward slash and the number five. You know, I published my first book last year called Living in the Pause, Life After Addiction, Divorce, and Business Loss. And once I finished editing the book and getting it published, I had a strong desire to get it in the hands of people that could actually use it the most when they could use it the most. So I've been working diligently to actually get my book into rehab and sober living facilities so that people that are actually at a point where they've had enough and they're ready to make some changes and they feel like maybe their world has crashed down around them enough to where they're willing to take a close look at themselves and their part in everything and their world. Um, so I'm excited about doing that. In the meantime, I've just wanted to give the book away. I simply wanted to stay focused on you know, what sometimes can be a challenge in our world, and that is simply coming from a place of service instead of what am I going to get out of this. The idea is that if somebody needs to read my book, I want them to be able to read the book, and I want them to get any kind of insight or wisdom that I've been able to glean through going through some of life's toughest challenges and then taking that information and applying it to their life and hopefully helping them kind of get to the next step. So if you go to my website, daviddom.com forward slash book, you can actually get a free copy of the audiobook, absolutely free, no questions asked. And then you can even get a free copy of the print version. And all I ask is that you just simply pay for the shipping and handling and the cost, the hard cost to get it out there to you. I am currently looking for a sponsor that will help me get the book into the rehabs and the sober living facilities and make sure that people that at least have an opportunity to read it and also they would be helping me cover the even the physical and shipping costs of the print version so that I can literally give the book away 100% free, even the print version, because that is a goal as well of mine. So I am looking for a sponsor. I'm open. Currently, I'm in the speaking to a couple of rehab facilities and sober living facilities, which seems to make sense as a sponsor, but I'm open. If you're interested, you can hit me up on my website. I wanted to mention that it, the book is not only for people that have had a problem or an issue with drugs and alcohol. I mean, obviously, the subtitle mentions business loss and divorce. It's really any real challenging, what some people would call a dark night of the soul, that they're going through some stuff and they're willing and, and ready to try to implement some new strategies to help them live a more peaceful, balanced, and connected life. 
So I hope that you check that out. And again, this is episode number five. You can get the show notes at daviddom.com forward slash five. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you are a teacher, meaning you have an online course that you teach wellness or yoga, meditation, you know, anything that helps you get in touch with our higher self, I want to speak with you and feature your course on my website in the Higher Self Academy. There's no charge. You keep all the money, all the revenues from the sales of your course. I do want to speak to you about it. So if you would like to get the details on how to make that happen, we promote the web, the academy, and we're building it now. So you can go to daviddom.com forward slash teachers. And without further ado, welcome to episode number five. All right, so welcome to the <laughs> podcast, my friends. I have a guest on today that I'm excited about speaking with and sharing with you some great stuff. His name is G.P. Walsh, and G.P. is an experienced media personality, having been a guest on countless shows and telesummits, done hundreds of shows himself, and even been a voiceover for talent and uh, for radio and TV. He's a recognized expert in spirituality, spiritual and emotional healing, meditation, stress relief, relationship, men's issues, and so much more. In addition to that, his spiritual and personal development coaching he's been doing as a successful entrepreneur, consulting with 500 Fortune 500 companies on technology strategies, and has several award-winning industry firsts to his credit. With over 30 years of experience, he was invited to be a member of the prestigious Transformational Leadership Council by the organization's famous founder, Jack Canfield. That's amazing. Welcome to the show, GP. Uh, thank you, David. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. So you've been at this a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Uh, I got started quite, quite young. I just uh, curiosity of it, and uh, and not having a particularly good childhood, there was a, uh, you know, there was it, it was more than just a philosophical curiosity. It was an existential one. You know, I wanted to end my own suffering and the suffering of others. That's great. I'm gonna enjoy this. I can relate. It's uh, you know, it's so so yeah. As far as being at it a long time, the intro gave it away. By the way, so I wasn't throwing you under the bus. <laughs> no. uh, um, so it's uh, it's it seems that what's at the at the core and really the heart uh, of your Master Heart Institute is what you refer to as inner reconciliation. Mm-hmm. What's the primary purpose and kind of the goal of inner reconciliation? Well, it's my premise, um, you know, based on experience and working with people, that that the cause of human suffering is a a disregarding and a, a disavowing and a, and an alienation from our own nature. We simply have forgotten. We are so much of it of us has been dispossessed and disowned, really by necessity as as children. Um, so vast talents and powers and abilities um, that lie within us are inaccessible um, because of the basic functioning of the nervous system. You know, when you're a child and you express yourself quite innocently, quite naturally, right, just being completely and totally yourself. 
and you earn the displeasure of your parents, maybe even abuse, um, your own nature becomes your enemy. And in order to survive, we create layers and layers of defensive mechanisms in order to keep that behavior from coming out. But of course, we can't get rid of it. We try to, but we can't because it's who we are. I mean, you can no more get rid of growing hair or digesting food. Right? It is just, it's an integral part of who you are. But because it has caused you pain, the energy system has created uh, defensive uh, mechanisms and defensive postures to keep the behavior from coming out. Then we get older, we want to make make progress in our lives, we want to do things we hadn't done before, and we wonder why we're struggling, why we self-sabotage, why we trip ourselves up, why it's so difficult. Um, we're, we're literally fighting against our own nature. And once you understand that it is the natural functioning of the system, that you're not broken, that you're not dysfunctional, but that your, your, your defensive mechanism is simply trying to protect you from the environment, your relationship with, with it um, changes from one of being antagonistic or, you know, I like to call it the self-help treadmill. You're just trying to fix yourself over and over and over again. This assumption that something's wrong. And or the, these negative emotions I have to get rid of. When you realize that they're not, that they're the natural functioning of the system, you reconcile with them. You you stop being an enemy of your own nature. And little by little, the very same mechanism that at one time was resisting you, now, because it's been integrated into you, you've reconciled with it. It is no longer an enemy. It's regarded with compassion and with acceptance. It literally begins to support you. It becomes the energy by which you attain the life you're trying to attain. It's the same energy. It just switches sides. <laughs> Instead of resisting you, mm. it supports you. And that's key to it. That's why it's an inner reconciliation. We are, dis we are alienated from ourselves. Uh, we've learned to not like ourselves. We've learned to hate certain aspects of ourselves, consider it you know, broken, bad, sinful. And <clears throat> what uh, inner reconciliation does is simply reconcile with those energies we discover that they aren't mm. they aren't that at all they're the natural energy of life that has a function and a purpose and once you understand that function and purpose that purpose begins to serve you mm. wow that's so um enlightening the, the the definition of reconciliation as you were talking is just so it's so specific and intense. I love it. The restoration of friendly relations. Yes. <laughs> and another definition is the action of making one view or belief compatible with another. Yeah. Totally, totally fits. Um, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I started using it that word oh, probably about four years ago, and it finally became, like two years ago, it finally became the official title because I was trying to think of something that was more marketing-like and more cute and more clever. But I mean, it really, it really does sum it up. I mean, it is an inner recon you're reconciling with your own nature, right? And who wouldn't want to do that <laughs> if, if we had a choice? Yes, and <laughs> it's like we're in fighting against. Almost, uh, it, it, it's it almost feels like at times like we're we're fighting against. You saying fighting against our own nature? We're fighting against what appears, what seems to be a force that we can't even identify. 
Um, yes, that's exactly doing the work. That's exactly the case. We well, what's really happened is we have misidentified it. We've seen it as a force that is out to get us. We've seen it as an, a problem. You know, we've we've got some kind of you know traumatic difficulty that we're going to have to uh, you know dispose of. We've got the, you know inner demons we have to get rid of, and that's part of the way in which the schism gets maintained. When you realize that's not what it is at all, there, you know there's no such thing as a negative emotion. There's only emotions that've gotten bad press. They've been characterized that way, when in fact mm. they're not. <laughs> it's just the natural energy of the nervous system, and its number one job is to keep you safe, and it will do whatever it needs to do to do that. That's all that's mm. happening. <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned child uh, you mentioned childhood and and I and I uh, have have thought of this as I've been doing research as of late, which is the whole concept of learning, which is which is kind of like a a, a, a term for what we do as we grow and mm-hmm. as we go through and experience things, and then literally having a process of kind of unlearning so that we can really get to where we're supposed to be. Is that kind of along the same lines? I mean, of what you're. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, uh, because the, the things we have to unlearn are all the are all the falsities and illusions that we have we have uh, taken onto ourselves. I mean, that's the whole spiritual path. You know, the path to awakening. Mm-hmm. Spiritual awakening is is losing the all the ideas you you held about yourself that simply aren't true. And the the thing about it, though, that's important for folks to note is that the these beliefs about ourselves, I, I, I often refer to them as energetic assumptions because they're they're actually installed in the nervous system bef- before we can speak. It's pre-language. And, and so these are reactive patterns, automatic behaviors in the nervous system that later we get as the intellect develops and our conceptual ability develops and our sense of self ability uh, uh, develops um, we we create stories about those uh, but we don't challenge them so it, it it starts always in a realization in our minds that we're not who we think we are <laughs> that there's mm. way more to us and that we are capable of way more than we thought but then it has to move into the body because that's where it really lives it's in the cells and and it takes and it really takes an enormous amount of gentleness and patience and kindness with yourself so that the the nervous system itself gets the message that it's safe when your nervous system knows it's safe really knows it it immediately begins to drop the behavior because it doesn't need it anymore mm. that's why it's self-correcting you know, I just like to say when the water comes out of the mountain, it doesn't need a GPS to find the ocean. It knows exactly where to go, and, mm-hmm. and the same is true. And the first, the, the you know, the first line, the first sortie of establishing this place of safety is for you yourself to become safe. You stop finding yourself. You stop. You stop discounting yourself you stop discounting this in these internal energies and these internal forces and you instead of trying to get rid of them you turn towards them 
You give them attention. You give them love. And now you are no longer the enemy. That's the problem with most uh, personal development and even so many spiritual practices is, is they put you at odds with your own energy system. And so you're busy trying to get rid of things. And you can't get rid of yourself. <laughs> you can't do it. You have to. You have to turn towards it with love. That's what recognizes. Reconciliation is all about, I and mean, it's like you know you had a lover's quarrel, and you know, but you don't want to break up, so you got to make up. Mm. It, it it kind of uh, it, it's bringing up kind of some thoughts about that fine balance or that fine line, I guess you could say, between you know uh, pushing away the ego to get in touch with your higher self, and at the same time um, partnering with it. Yeah, well, and first, the first thing we have to do is understand what we mean by that term, right? Because what it means to psychology, what it means to spirituality, what it, what it means to, you know, personal development uh, are very different things. Mm -hmm. it, it, the ego is simply who we believe ourselves to be so mm. thoroughly that we act it out and therefore experience it as true. The fact is, mm -hmm. it's not true. It's only a concept we're holding of ourselves. That's why it's limited. That's why it's a problem. Once our once we st we've seen that it is not who we actually are, but only a temporary conditioning of the nervous system, it ceases to be the enemy, and mm -hmm. it becomes less and less ego and more and more just my particular unique nature which is going to be different than yours. Right? But we are all, in, in essence, essentially um, one. We're all cut of the same cloth, just different, you know, just different carpets. <laughs> the oneness, the oneness. Um, yeah. how, how, important, how important is the experience, the, the doing and the feeling and experiencing of, of, of anything, especially what we, you know, call self-work or the type of work that you, that you do? Well, that's all of it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is you know, the, the intellect is engaged in the beginning, and when the intellect really gets refined and subtle and nuanced, um, it's really capable of being discriminating very, very subtle differences. But ultimately, it becomes experiential. <clears throat> the thing I do with uh, folks when I start them off on this path is, is just put them into an exercise of just allowing themselves to feel whatever they happen to be feeling for a little bit. And notice all of our reactions. You know, you'll, you'll feel something in your body, and immediately something will want to get rid of it, something will want to be distracted from it, something will want to, to tell a story about it. Um, everything except be with it. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. right? But the, to actually experience is to be with it. The avoidance is a reaction to it and is not the authentic experience. And yet that's what we do. I mean, look at our world. I mean, we are distracted constantly uh, mm -hmm. in, in a million different directions. And uh, I see people all the time, just they, they can't be a minute without their phones. It's just to, the idea of just being alone with your own feelings is almost insufferable to, uh, to many people. And so that's the very first thing I do is I, is I want you to feel what you're feeling. No editing, mm -hmm. no editing. 
No judging, no agenda. Judgments will come up, you notice them, but you don't let them pull you away. And you just feel, what does my body feel like? And then little by little, just that is a reconciliation all on its own. Because for the first time, probably in decades, the, the feelings in your body have actually gotten your attention, when most of the time you're pushing them away and avoiding them. How do you feel if somebody pushes you away and wants to avoid you? You're not particularly cooperative. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's no different with our inner world. Right. Hmm. So the first, it, it, you cannot resolve this thing through talk therapy. It has to be a direct, uh, a direct experience. You have to see for yourself, feel it for yourself, engage with it for yourself. Um, and then I also recommend I use things like EFT, um, the emotional freedom technique, or meridian tapping, which engages the body physically. Mm -hmm. I recommend people doing yoga, qigong, any kind of exercise, massage, anything mm -hmm. that physically engages the body with the intent of allowing the body to have more freedom to release the pent-up traumas and energies that it's been holding. Mm. So... It, for lack of a better way of saying it, you're, it sounds like the initial thing that you take people through is, is to almost force them to pause and be in the moment. Yes, and you know, I I, I, I do it. You know, I've got I've got I've taught meditation for decades. I've, I've got the voice for radio and that sort of thing. So, you know, I I can help people get there. Um, for most people, it's almost impossible to do it by themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. The very first, uh, the very first course I ever produced for the, uh, for the, uh, was a digital project, a product for the internet was called Just Allow It, and I've now integrated that into the inner reconciliation training. I don't sell it as a separate thing anymore, and I call it the, yo yeah. the yoga of allowing. You're, you're simply going to become pure feminine energy, pure yin, pure openness and acceptance and compassion. And you know, you're going to become the ultimate mother <laughs> and just allow whatever's going on to go on. And that alone usually brings people to, it's, it's very interesting when I do this with people who have meditated for many, many years and felt they have failed. Within about five minutes, the mind goes quiet. Yeah. Doesn't take long. Which is which is quite which is quite which is quite the experience in and of itself, especially after all of the distractions and the noise. Yes, um, it's a surprise to people. Yeah. Mm. Um, how? So so how much? Um, how much do the concepts of alignment and balance play into the work? Well, I, 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 alignment. The way I look at, like to look, look at it is that when we really begin to understand our inner world, and we find that there are different energies within us that have very different agendas. And the example I use, the easiest example for anybody to understand is just look at your life, look at some decisions you've had to make in your life, big ones and sometimes small ones, and wherever there was a struggle over it, a sense of not knowing what to do. If you look closely, what you'll see is that there's a conflict between freedom and safety. 
Mm. Now, both of those energies are innate in human beings. You cannot get you can, it, without that that des- deep desire for freedom and growth and expansion. We're not human. We're just like you know any other critter on the planet, right? And of course, mm. without safety, we're we're not alive. <laughs> without the towards mm. safety, so you have these competing energies. So somehow they need to be brought into harmony. They need to be reconciled so that you can progress safely, so you can grow safely, so that you can be wise enough to know when to take a risk and when not. That, to me, it's not really balance as much as it is just the the perfect use of the energy that's needed in this moment. I, 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 I use the metaphor of the artist's palette, you know. When you're completely in harmony with yourself, you have, you have all the internal energies, and I've identified seven of them that I use in my Harmonious Human course. There's more, undoubtedly, but, you know, seven is a nice model to use. <clears throat> and it's like the seven colors of the rainbow or the seven colors on an artist's palette. If you have access to all the car- colors, you can paint a masterpiece. If you only have access to two of them, <clears throat> you might make something interesting, right? But but it won't be fully what it can be. The artist's job is to use just the right amount of this and just the right amount of that and just the right amount of that mm. and put them together. So that it isn't so much balance as it is, I like to think of it as like creative flow. Right, it, it, and it's constantly changing because in one moment, being safe above all else is the only thing that matters, right? And that's exactly what should be there, right? If you're about to step out into the street in front of a bus, safety is more important than freedom. <laughs> yeah, but if you are in the in the you know in 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 the midst of uh, of uh, uh, of you know. Playing, you know, playing playing an instrument for an audience, or doing something really unique, or starting starting a, a, a business, you got to take some risks, right? I mean, heck, even asking somebody out on a date is a risk, right? People feel afraid of it simply because safety is trying to is trying to keep you from the possibility of rejection. But that's also, if it goes too extreme, it keeps you from the possibility of life. So. There has to be enough <laughs> safety that, that, that you're not, you know, you know, that you're not doing anything foolhardy. But there has to be enough freedom that you live. And this uh, is the this is the art of life that wherein we have to live. We have to put ourselves at the center of that and become the master of our own household. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 so. Um, so true the safety this the safety thing and it's interesting oh, uh, this is well, kind of, maybe i don't think it's going to be off topic but <laughs> is is there is it true is it <laughs> do you feel that it's true that maybe uh females need, have the need for safety more than males yes and i okay. and i don't and i don't say that as a, as a dispersion um, you know, call them weak or anything like that. It's ju- it's not that. It's just the natural function of life. Um, just the the female body, because it was designed for babies and for the nurturing of babies, 
is more vulnerable than the male body. And the male was designed to die, to, to be willing to die, to protect the, uh, a, a woman and the child. And this is mm. especially true if a woman is, is pregnant and, or with a young child. You know, I mean, it's clear as far as nature is concerned, she and that kid are way more important than he is. Mm. And, and so there is an innate sense in women of looking to men for a certain level of strength that they don't have. And of course, for men, it's the, the other direction. It's, it's a level of openness and tenderness and acceptance that we don't naturally have. That's what we give to each other. Mm. And, 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 and I, and I believe that some of what you were referring to, which would be the, um, the desire to ensure ourselves against rejection, that's, that's all across the board. It doesn't matter, male or female. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just a natural, yeah, yeah, yeah. just a natural thing. Yeah, that's, that's everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. There's, there's not that many things that are really gender-specific. Um, right. But, but the ones that are, are, are really, really significant. Yeah, yeah. Now you notice safety as being one of those. So, so obviously, the more... You know, I mean, I mean, everything's different, but obviously, you know, trauma and conflict and this inner conflict. Where, where does the inner conflict that many of us live with? Where, where, where did it originate from? Well, it's when you were rejected for who you were when you were a child. I mean, that's where it all stems from. If you, you know, if, if you're more of an esoteric uh, point of view of past lives and the like, it, it doesn't matter where it started, where it originated. You know this life, a previous life, or another planet, or another dimension. It doesn't matter. It, it is always caused by exactly the same thing, a rejection of your own nature. You know, so you are, you are basically put to shame for being what you cannot help but be. So your own nature becomes your enemy. And that is the fall. <laughs> that is the, that is the essential, that is the, the essential trauma upon which all other traumas are built. Um, you know, the, the, there's a, a trauma of a child losing its losing it. Maybe they're good parents, but they lose them. It's traumatic because the the whole world, their safety has been taken away. They're, there's nothing left of them. Nothing familiar is left. They don't know who they are anymore, right? Um, and but for uh, most of us, uh, we all went through it more or less. You know, your your tribe of origin cannot accept you the way you are. It just can't do it because the the whole function of the tribe, the very you know, is safety, right? The, the safety, the family and communities and used to be tribes. There, you know, safety wasn't guaranteed, and so survival wasn't guaranteed. And so the number one uh, ingredient for you know pack animals like human beings was we work together to survive. And therefore, any behavior that, that, that looked like somebody was going to be outside of, of, the, of the norm was going to be rejected. It's just the way, you know, it's just the way it is. In our, mm. in our modern world, even though we're, we really don't have the same issue as survival any, anymore, we still have values and belief systems and morals and things like that. And, you know, when a child starts exuding a behavior that's not acceptable to the parents, um, the, the, the child knows, finds out about it. I mean, they're, they're, they're maybe physically hurt. They'll be diminished. They'll be shunned in some way. They'll feel it energetically that that's not acceptable. That doesn't get me what I need. 
If I act like mm-hmm. this, I get my needs met. If I act like this, I don't. And the child can't negotiate with the parents. And, you know, this is just your opinion about the way things are. And I really am just <laughs> fine myself. And, okay, I'll, I'll deal with your rules for now uh, until uh, until later because I know that this isn't really true and that I'm okay the way I am. And, like, children don't do that. Oh, mommy, right. mommy good, me bad. Mm. And boom, immediately we have just cut a part of ourselves out and sent it to the basement. And that's where it comes from. And and then later on, we're feeling something is missing. Well, guess what? It is. <laughs> right? And now comes, wow. you know, if you're fortunate enough in your life to come across the teacher or process or to be exposed to personal development or the consciousness movement or any of the stuff that's happening right now, you realize that you have lost something precious. And, and, and then you set about on your, on your, whatever your particular practice is to recover what I call your original innocence, your original pure being. Mm, That's, um, that's like, it's, a, it's like a remembering. It is. It is a remembering. Because the, the reality is, if if we never had it, we couldn't miss it. But the very fact that mm. there's, a, there's some kind of pang in your heart that's yearning for something, there's a memory, there's a remembrance of it. You still know who you are. You, because we did have it. You had to become something else in order to survive. It's the you know, it's the original trauma. We we choose to kill off a part of us so that another part of us will live. And every mm-hmm. child goes through it. In some cases the parents are highly abusive, it's extreme, and in other cases it may not be so extreme, but every child goes through it. There's nobody is but it but but it, but it might. What, what might seem, what might seem not extreme to someone, it doesn't really matter if that child's needs are not getting met and they're not feeling safe. It, it's extreme to them. Absolutely. Yeah. We can't judge it from the point of view of uh, looking at it through adult eyes. Even a tiny dis- diminishment. You know, coming home, showing their picture. Look, mommy. Look what I did. And the mom doesn't even look mm-hmm. up from the table and say, "Oh, that's nice, honey." Uh, wham. Ah. Right. That's that goes in because it seems totally mm. insignificant and a small little thing, and but boy, and if that's consistent, right? If it's a one-time thing, the child can recover, the parent can make up for it. But if that is consistent, that message goes goes in loud and clear. You are mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you. Yeah, this is not important. You are. It becomes. Yeah, it becomes the way things are, and then... And, and the moment it goes the way things are, that's when the nervous system kicks in because it adapts to the way things are. That's its job. Wow. So, you wrote a book called The the Tao of Allowing, Surfing on the Law of Attraction. Yeah. How important... And, and, and I guess that's the, the Tao of Allowing. Is that... Um, isn't it kind of translated as the great way of allowing? The way of allowing? Yes. And if how does that how important is allowing, uh, kind of being open to being open and allowing when we're doing this uh, this, this self work? It, it is so essential that if you were to really master it, you wouldn't need any other self help. You would need even all the other stuff I have in inner reconciliation. It's just completely open and and pure. It has no agenda. It's pure, unadulterated, unconditional love. That's how important it is. Without it. Nothing will work. With it, 
anything will work because we sh- if if there is not an atmosphere of love between you and the inner energies that you are are dealing with you they, i mean you don't willingly come out and to into some space where there's no love for you <laughs> you don't get invited to parties where you know everybody there hates you or you don't go right without that inner work is a farce it'll go nowhere because all you're trying to look if you if you start off even with the best intention and the best self-help technique there is to you know to fix your inner world and you start in there with this idea that you know how things are supposed to be and you're going to get it to conform to your to the way you want it what's the difference between that and what your parents did to you in the first place mm. the systems trying to control yeah, the systems defended against that already you won't make a dent but there's one thing and one thing only that the that nobody's nervous system has a defense against and that's unconditional love there is no defense for it because there's no defense needed in the presence of unconditional love it lays down its armor it doesn't have to hide it doesn't have to protect itself there's nothing it needs to protect itself from that's what allowing really is hmm yeah just the the two words um that come to mind is just be yes well it is the ultimate meditation um in zen the highest med- form of meditation is called shikantaza and it means just sit you know, when you walk, just walk. When you eat, just eat. When you're with somebody, just be with them. When you're talking, talk to them. When you're driving, just drive. That's the direct experience that, you know, we talk about. You're just allowing yourself to be in your life right now. So this moment becomes the moment of awake. This moment is the sacred moment. It's not a stepping stone to some time in the future when everything's going to be okay. You find heaven on earth right here, right mm. now, in this moment, by just being present in it. Powerful. Powerful. And so... And it's so missed. It's so missed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... So missed. There's so much distraction that kind of, uh, kind of, uh, okay, kind of leads into my next question. And we did touch on the ego just a little bit, but from, 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 and I can only relate it to the ego because it's this, again, this false sense of self that we've created. It's the false self and that self and, and that, that, that ego, if you will, tries to, kind of keep us uh, out of that moment meaning keeping us uh in the past the 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 regret the shame Uh or in the future the stress the fear the worry and and unable to because because it knows and again this is just it, it seems as if based on some of the teachings that it knows if it can keep us distracted then it can't keep us in the moment and in the moment in that precious moment we're all connected if we're not in that moment then we're literally disconnected or separate yes. as opposed to being one and so how important is is that 
how wrong is the old idea that you know our, our what what we what we do and what we have and what other people think about us is 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 who we are? How yeah, I, 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 <laughs> the 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 ego, the false sense of self, the self that we believe ourselves to be. First off, I, I really have I have to point something out. The ego is not a thing. There's nothing really there. It's a set of behavioral patterns set up in the nervous system that we have projected a, a, an idea onto. There's nothing there trying to stop you, trying to mess up your life. It's a misinterpretation of the programming of the nervous system that has determined that a variation from this behavior is going to be dangerous. So it will resist it. Mm. Right? We call that resistance an ego. And it's not. The ego doesn't exist as a thing. It's only a thought. It's only an idea we have about ourselves. But when we identify ourselves as that, when I say, well, this is who I am, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a male, I'm, this, I'm, you know, I'm this, this age, I live in this kind of place, I like these kinds of things, I do this, I don't like that kind of thing. When we identify with that, we're, the, the position is so naturally unstable that it seeks to get confirmation from outside of itself so it, people can tell, yes, that's really true about you and you, and you really like that and you're good and pats on the, on the back and, and all of that. Because we're, what we're doing is we're feeding an image of ourselves that isn't real. <laughs> and of course it's not going to be satisfying. It has no substance to it. Right? It's so important because the, the ego has become kind of the modern devil. It's become this entity that hides in the bushes and jumps on us, that messes up our lives. If it wasn't for my ego, I'd, I'd be mm. rich and happy, and I'd be, I'd be four inches taller and more handsome, right? I mean, if it wasn't for the ego, I mean, it's all, right? And, and so we've kind of invented a boogeyman, right? The, the ego is nothing but automatic reactions in the nervous system that are simply drawing a line that say, you can't go beyond this point. That's all it is. When you see it, everything else about it is a story. And it's not who you are. Who you are is this innocent, perfect, beautiful being that is aware of everything else. You are the pure consciousness sitting in the center of the thing. Now, that goes beyond all of the ideas that we have about ourselves. And so if we're really on, genuinely on the, the path of, of personal awakening, of personal, uh, of personal uh, exploration, of really wanting to know the truth about ourselves, we have to question these assumptions about ourselves. Am I really that? Is that all there mm. is to me? Am, is this who I am? Or is this simply a, a pattern, a habitual pattern of behavior that's been going on for so long, I've just assumed that it was me? Hmm. Right? Now that is the yeah. best use of the mind. The mind now turns on itself. And instead of chasing things to satisfy, it turns around and starts looking at the thing that's pushing it to go out and find these things to satisfy. It says, where is this coming from? Is this who I really am? Or is this an artificial behavior that got put in place for me to have to deal with a situation that I needed to deal with 30 years ago and I don't need it anymore? 
And the answer to the, that question is almost always, yes, that's exactly what it is. It's a behavior that got put into place at a time when you needed it, but even though the situation that caused that behavior to get put into place is no longer present, the behavior's still there. It's as if the nervous system was never told that the war was over. Hmm. So the ego is nothing but that. Don't anthropomorphize it. But for, anthropomorphize it. Don't turn it into a being. Don't turn it into a, a god or a devil. It's none of those. It is an empty, mindless system. And all of the characteristics of a being that it possesses are actually your characteristics of you who are a real being projected on it. You are real. So it, the ego is not. Hmm. So these driving forces are safety and seeking validation. Yes. Well, yes. As the as safety as as we grow in human beings and we begin to develop a sense of identity, right? Which doesn't really start solidifying. Um, I mean, it starts solidifying around, around seven or eight years old, around second grade, right? With the with, mm. with the age of reason, but it'll you'll be into your twenties before it actually is solid. And if you're lucky enough to you know have have some good teaching, it, it won't get so solid that it will that will uh, it will bind you um but but yes <laughs> the the um i kind of lost my train of thought there what was the question again <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so 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 ultimately um that's great i love that the the ego um the ego talk so I, w I think we've kind of touched on this i mean obviously our childhood does have to do it has something to do with the process of us being able to believe that we really do have everything that we need which that's in us i mean yes um, i think we've i think we've kind of spoken to that i remember um, i was going with that just that when the sense of identity begins to develop it projects itself on the sets of behaviors that are already put in place. And so you build a sense of identity built on a limited uh, freedom of, the, of your behavioral choices. That's why the sense of identity is, is limited and false, because it's not based on all of who you are. It's only based on who you've allowed to, been allowed to be. And projected on that, it feels as if that is all there is to us. And in fact, there is there's so much more. That's where I was going with that. So, <laughs> no, got it, got it. Yeah, as you were talking, I was just, I was just feeling. Okay, we're we're, we're seeking validation, and we're, we're we're seeking validation, and we're trying not to be hurt. We're trying to stay safe. We're trying to, you know. So we create, we create all these things and these um, beliefs around that. Um, and then, and then, obviously, a lot of it starts at, at, at childhood. Uh, question: Why does it many times take traumatic or crushing life experiences for us to get serious about finding out how to tap into, you know, what we call our true, our higher self, or really make some changes to to figure this stuff well, out? There's a couple of different ways of describing it. The simplest way is, you know, when you stick your hand in the fire and it burns, you realize 
that you've just done something wrong. I mean, our emotional suffering is to the to our souls what uh, physical suffering is to the body. But were it not for that, we wouldn't know anything was wrong. <laughs> right? It's it's really it's really quite simple. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be content being less than I am. I wouldn't want that. I, I, you know, there's an innate sense that something is is wrong, and that sense of something being wrong is what moves us to make the correction. If there was, if that wasn't there, well, you just you'd be an ant. You know, you just be go about doing your thing. You'd never question it. There'd be no sense of inner conflict. But even even uh, other animals feel. I mean, you know, the, there's the story of Tilikum. I, I like to talk about the killer whale who basically has killed three people, including her trainer. Um, and oh, this horrible thing! This whale just kind of went nuts. You go, dude! <laughs> you take this creature that that is built for the oceans. You know, three, three quarters of the planet is their playground. They travel thousands of miles a year. I mean, their nature is to just move and free, and 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 they're just you know, and they're and they're they're mammals. They're warm blooded. They're affectionate. They're emotional. And you take that critter and you throw it in a swimming pool and you expect it to be happy. I mean, that's what we've done to us. <laughs> we've taken the whale that is our inner world and we've thrown it in a swimming pool. We're expecting it to be happy. So when you have that feeling mm. that something's missing, it is. It's the truth. That voice, you know, I often say the truth is often an, an annoying voice. It won't go away, it won't leave you alone, and it won't let you be at peace until you pay attention to it. But that's your best friend. You know, we, we go into personal development to try to quiet the very voice that's trying to liberate us. We listen to that voice. It's the essence of inner reconciliation is once you get to the point where you can allow uncomfortable feelings, you can have a conversation with it and you find out that, it's, that it holds wisdom and truth that are beyond what you could imagine. Because it knows what the truth is. Mm. The feelings within you, they know why they got traumatized. They know what the circumstances are. They know what they're trying to protect you from. I see it all the time. Get into that state and I'll ask Somebody's okay. I've got this feeling in my in my stomach. So I want you to ask the feeling what it's protecting you from. And a little shock. They'll okay. What he and boom, they get an image of something that happened to them when they were three. Because the information is readily available. Whatever you need to heal is readily available once you open yourself up to it. But if you characterize it, oh, this bad feeling I have to get rid of, rather than, this is the truth, trying to wake my sorry ass up, mm. it's a very different approach to your inner world. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it, it, that that kind of goes, you know, that's a, per, a great explanation to uh, the whole concept of, which I, I, I have uh, cover in... in uh, some writing, which is, you know, embrace your pain. It's a catalyst for growth. That's a perfect reason. Okay, well, that's because the pain is telling you there's something wrong. And and then, um, obviously, in the dark night of the soul, we find our truth. That's, that's, and that's why. That's because. And that's why. And it's really only 
it's only our behaviors and our attachment to the false sense of identity that makes it a dark night of the soul. It's actually the it's actually daybreak. <laughs> it's breaking through. Mm. It's breaking you out of the prison of of your own creating. It, it feels that mm. way. It feels like a, a like a, a crucifixion and a death, be, because the false you is you're clinging to this person that isn't really you. But when you finally let go. And you finally listen, and you finally hear these voices, you find the resurrection. I mean, that's the beauty of that uh, image, of that metaphor. That's why it's survived for, for, mm. so many, for so many years. It's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor of the complete sacrifice of the false notion of who you are to awaken to who you really are, which is the divine being. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So... You mentioned your work. I, I, you mentioned your work as as kind of being the the end of the self help treadmill. Why uh, is inner reconciliation not considered a self help tactic per se? Because I'm not attempting to. Two reasons. Number one, the self that we're trying to get to doesn't need any help. And number two, I'm not trying to change anything in the system. I'm not trying to fix anything. I'm I'm revealing that nothing is broken. Right? So I'm literally freeing the energy rather than trying to transform it into something more to my liking. Right? So mm. it's it's not it's not self help, it's it's self awakening. It's self acceptance. Right? And not self-acceptance after you've you know you know checked a bunch of things off your list and you've become worthy of acceptance. It's self-acceptance right here, right now, exactly the way you are. Unconditional love, and unconditional means no conditions, none, zero. It's just the absolute now, absolute love, right here. And then you just let everything adjust itself to that atmosphere of love. You don't have to do anything. It, it does it itself. The system makes the adjustments. That's how smart it is, you know? <laughs> like I said, the mountain, water comes out of the mountain. It doesn't need GPS to find the ocean. It knows where to go. Right. Uh, that, that's kind of... Uh, it, it's kind of likened to the allowing and also the fact that it's been described as like, for instance, the nine months while we're in the womb. We nobody needed, we didn't need anybody to say anything. We, we everything was allowing. It was we were being allowed to 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 become yes. what we what we are, what we yeah, were. Uh, there was nothing. Allowing is we didn't need permission. Allowing is our, the Tao is our nature. Allowing is our nature. We're totally. It comes very, very naturally to us. We have to be taught to be resistant. Mm. That's the unlearning, Uh yeah. And then we have to unlearn that stuff. So this is great stuff. GP, how how can people... It sounds like to me that anybody could benefit, anybody could learn, anybody could do this. I mean, it, there's, it's not a respecter of persons here in regards to the, the work. And and uh, so how can people uh, get more of you, get in touch with you easily? Of course, I'm going to have links, but anybody that's listening, how could they get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? Well, I, I, I have a, a link that I like to give out. Um, 
just go to gpwalsh.com slash irfree and um, you can get uh, you can watch a it's like about a 20 minute video about inner reconciliation I'll take you through an exercise explain to you exactly what happened how the whole thing how the whole thing works um, and of course make sure you have an experience of it which is the most important part of it um, so um, you know I've got classes going all the time I do satsangs I do uh, uh, which is really just pure spiritual inquiry but I also do classes on the chakras I do it on law of attraction I do it about EFT I do meditation um, any doorway in which somebody wants to come into the world of, of uh, really reconciling with themselves reconciling with yourself mm. You know, just switching the relationship you have towards yourself from one of antagonism to one of acceptance, and and it is the most satisfying and and simple thing you can do. So, you know, I always recommend people that go through go through the free course. You know, if they want to go deeper, there's more courses that you can uh, you can take. And I'm forever releasing stuff. So, gpwalsh.com/irfree. And that's, that's not like Toys R Us. I mean, it wasn't. It's not that IR stands for reconciliation. Just want to make it nice and short. I I are free. I I be free. <laughs> All right. I is an inner. R is in reconciliation. Free. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. Thank you so much for uh, taking your time. To oh, be with us thank you. Thank you for doing this, uh, David. It's a, uh, it's great for me to to see just the the uh, upswell of, uh, of an of expanding expanding consciousness of gentleness. I mean, it's going to sweep the planet. It doesn't look like it right now, but trust me, it's going to. I believe it's happening. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate you, it. Sir. Take good right. care. It's not easy to face our demons. It's not easy to look in the mirror and actually deal with the issues at hand. It's much easier to stuff or numb or deny or ignore or run away from our problems and our pain. I implore you to take a close look. And until next time, I'm David Dom.